From the land of a thousand hills to the ever so pink Lake Retba in Senegal, the elegant and graceful coral reef in Pemba, Mozambique, to Jabi, Utako, and Asokoro in Abuja, Nigeria. Peace be upon you, people of Bor in South Sudan. Having some Kisra, Dura, Kajaik today? From the rooftops of skyscrapers in Harare, Zimbabwe, my tribesmen in Lusaka, Zambia, Ifin to Filishani, Kampala, Uganda, I'm coming for some posho. <laughs> you say, Obuganda Bula Day, Lilongwe, Mzuzu, Zomba, Zikomo, Muni Onse, Malawi, Mulibuanji. I greet you in the spirit of the ancestors. Welcome to Afro Masculinity Podcast. I'm your host, Onyango Otieno, from Nairobi, Kenya. Here, we'll be talking all things men in Africa. Sounds like a plan? From politics to culture, socialization, religion, friendship, parenting, relationships, sex, name it, with brilliant African music from different times and genres. And to start us off, we'll be discussing masculinity and what it means. But first... Ever since I was a kid, manhood was presented to me as a solution to everything. All around me, men were the center of attention even more than babies. Every Sunday we prayed to a man-god. At home, whenever food was discussed, it was a man who issued money to cook it. At school, the headmaster rolled out rules. On the TV, the man drove big cars and had a lot of women surrounding him. On Saturday nights, he got drunk and got carried home by his fellow men. He fought other men in the streets when he wasn't happy. All the sports I watched were played by men. In the village, Grandpa's house was in the middle. His word always final. If he raised his voice, the heavens shook. It was as though everywhere I went I met the same man in different bodies. I remember I used to ask myself when I was seven, does God have a penis like me? But my mother was clever. She didn't care for my impending male privilege. I was her son. I was going to light the jiko, clean the lamp, cook dinner, do dishes, do my laundry, and fold them. Basically, be a house manager by the time I was 12. Even so, it was still difficult to navigate life at home since dad controlled everything. If you asked for permission to go play and his team had been beaten that weekend, it meant you had to suffer with him, so stay indoors. The quality of food we ate depended on how much he made. The annual Christmas shopping for clothes, the only time of the year we got new raiment, depended on how well behaved we were during that period. And then on Lucky Sundays when the Lord had touched his soul, He'd buy one little soda for us to energize our guts for the week. Only one day of my life have I seen that man shed a tear. That mean stream of salty water snailed itself out of his eyes that night of 1998 during a fight with mom. As if it had to take its time to be seen. To 
feel the skin on his face savoring the rare opportunity to flaunt itself to the world for being free. That man never cried, at least before us, not even when his father died. He expressed only three emotions, happiness, and he laughed, anger, and he fought, and silence, which <laughs> you were never quite sure what he thought. He was the true north, him, God, and every other man I knew. It was one person. The older I grew, the more the questions nudged. Who was a man? What was expected of me when I grew up since I looked like them? I just wanted to be a child. But that's not how society wanted it. I wasn't supposed to play with girls, nor cry, nor not have a solution, nor show weakness. I had to be on top of things 99% of the time my face was seen in public. Weakness was allowed, as it was taught, only for girls <laughs> and dolls. One morning in a heavy January 2015, I drew closer to my answers. When dad told me during a fight they had with mom, and on the verge of separation, quote-unquote, I don't come to you with my problems because you'll think I'm weak. <laughs> I was like, Wolof, Wolof, nigga. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what I said in my head. Because it, it suddenly struck me that, oh, wait, something's going on here. Something's going on. Can't talk to me about your problems, me, your firstborn son? Hey, okay, Londa Magere, you gonna die with yeast puffed in your chest and wouldn't say a word because I'll think you're weak. Houston, we have a problem. He didn't know how badly I wanted to connect with him and not just on the good things. But hey, I understand. It's not easy. This is your child. You're a man. You were configured from childhood to keep things to yourself. You can't just open up to your child about what you're going through. You're their father. They look at you like some god. You have all the solutions. That's all kids know. Daddy knows everything. Was that something I wanted for myself? Definitely not. But being a man in the environment I grew up in meant I had to silence the child within because the world was apparently mean. It needed me to be harsh and fast to survive. And what better way to do it than be a man? <sighs> but after spending all my childhood barely using my own nose to breathe, I could not stand living the rest of my life controlled by another man's idea of who I should be just because I looked like him. That he because of the power he holds in his foot, would create a performance track and fix me in those lines. I'm just like, yo, that's hard. That's hard, amigo. So I had to start thinking, 
What does agency look like for me then? How do I detach from the primal scourge of patriarchy and still thrive? Is it even possible? According to Professor Ali Mazrui, throughout Africa, there has been a shift from a model in which war was a key factor in defining masculinity to a model where it is banned and no longer consensually valued as an element in constructing male status. However, male violence, including homicide, is not restricted to war. For over a century now, the history of South Africa has been heavily marked by violence. Although there are many causes behind this violence, including a history of apartheid and segregation, state repression, arbitrary imprisonment, the fight for national liberation, and political turmoil, in conjunction with rapid urbanization, high unemployment, widespread socioeconomic inequalities, drug and alcohol consumption, and a weak legal system, the constructions of masculinity are connected to this history. Although male violence is sometimes a response to other kinds of violence, such as that used by the state or other social structures, it also helps to ward off internal feelings of vulnerability linked to fear and insecurity, according to South African psychologist Kopano Ratele. What is masculinity then? Masculinity is a set of attributes, behaviors, and roles associated with boys and men. Do you know there's a difference between sex and gender? What is your sex and what is your gender? Sex refers to a set of biological attributes in humans and animals. It's primarily associated with physical and physiological features including chromosomes, gene expression, hormone levels and function, and reproductive or sexual anatomy. So traditionally, it was how you differentiated a boy from a girl. A boy had a penis, a girl had a vagina. That's sex. While gender is socially constructed roles, behaviors, expressions, and identities of girls, women, boys, men, and gender-diverse persons, it influences how people perceive themselves and each other, how they act and interact, and the distribution of power and resources in society. Our ideas of who a man is or should be are passed to us through interaction from childhood. You grow up seeing men acting a certain way and women acting a certain way. Masculinity is unconsciously rooted before the age of six, reinforced as the child develops, then positively explodes at adolescence, which is where a lot of us boys start struggling. The masculine norm has its own traits dependent on class, nation, race, religion, and ethnicity. And within each group, it has its own personal expression. The expression of male power will be radically different from class to class, even though I think there's a place they all meet. Masculinity is power. At least that's how boys are socialized to believe of themselves. But it is terrifyingly fragile because it does not really exist in the sense we are led to think it exists. That is, as a biological reality, something real that we have inside ourselves. There's no such thing as men were born to lead. We created that. 
they believed their physical attributes defined them holistically. But it is an ideology. It exists as scripted behavior. It's a social institution with a delicate relationship to that which it is supposed to be synonymous to, our maleness, our biological sex. The young child does not know that sex does not equal gender. For him, to be male is to be what he perceives as being masculine. The child is father to the man. Therefore, to be unmasculine is to be desexed. That's why if you don't have the perceived attributes of who a man should be, you're mocked to be weak and resembling a woman sometimes because you do not fit to be a man according to social construct. First of all, I'd love to mention that this is a complex conversation. We're barely scratching the surface here today. That's why I'm excited for future episodes as we unlock and unpack together. We have a lot to discover, debunk, learn and unlearn if we are open enough. The tension between maleness and masculinity is intense, honestly, because the masculinity we've been taught requires a suppression of a whole range of human needs, aims, feelings and forms of expression. Do you know how crazy it is that we've been systematically taught to hold our emotions in? Do you know what that does to a person? You're going to be angry all the time because you won't know how to deal with emotions when you feel frustrated. In her book, Drivers of Violence, Male Disempowerment in the African Context, published in 2008 and which I'll really be referring to a lot um, in this podcast, development economist Anzetsewere notes that men tend to use anger as a channel through which most of their difficult emotions are expressed. So when a man is sad, he becomes angry. When he's feeling scared, he becomes angry. When he's feeling intimidated, he becomes angry. As a result, in most men, negative emotions are expressed as anger. Do we see ourselves in those words? What do you think created that? Who taught us that if we didn't have the skill to deal with a negative emotion, that anger was the to-go-to place to express whatever we are feeling? In his book, The Limits of Masculinity, Male Identity and Women's Liberation, first published way back in 1977, Andrew Tolson said, To the boy, masculinity is both mysterious and attractive. In its promise of a world of work and power, and yet, at the same time, threatening in its strangeness and emotional distance. It works both ways, attracts and repels in dynamic contradiction. This simultaneous distance and attraction is internalized as a permanent emotional tension that the individual must, in some way, strive to overcome. But it's not that easy, is it? Today we've been discussing the meaning of masculinity, what it could possibly mean in the African context and the complexities of identities within it. 
I've shared personal stories which are common with many of us across the continent who didn't grow up close to their fathers for different reasons, some of which we'll be getting into into the near future. Um, I needed us to to be curious about this word before we got in so deep to conceptualize it in our day-to-day life, to interact both with its homeliness and queerness, to spark thoughts for you and the boys and the men around you. Uh, it's necessary to understand how a combination of a colonial past, patriarchal cultural structures, and a variety of religious and knowledge systems create masculine identities and sexualities. My assignment for you today is this. Look for the difference between sex and gender and read up on it. Discuss with male friends what masculinity means to them and share your thoughts too. If you have any feedback for me regarding today's discussion, email me on afromasculinitypodcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than glad to communicate back. Remember, the coronavirus can easily spread out there. Stay home, stay safe, sanitize. I've been your host, Onyango Otieno. Really enjoyed myself through this. Till we meet again next time. Adios.